One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Internet Marketing. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 159 of Internet Marketing, brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. And in today's show, Kelvin discusses must-read marketing books with James Carson of Bauer Media. All coming up in Internet Marketing. So I'm joined on the line by James Carson, who works for Bauer Media, which are one of the um, biggest media companies in the UK. They're probably best known for some of their magazines, uh, magazines like Grazia, um, Closer, Heat, FHM, all the great uh, music magazines as well. Um, and James kind of works for them on their websites and kind of making sure that they, they do well from a content and SEO point of view. But I'm talking to James today about um, some of the kind of digital marketing books that, that he's read recently that he thinks that uh, digital marketing marketers could probably benefit from reading is there any kind of what was kind of your favorite book james at the moment that you think that most people should kind of go out and have a read of uh it's difficult to say because there's quite a broad range that i've read um depends really what you're after i think in um the content size uh something like the yahoo style guide although it's really thick mm. and long is really quite excellent mm-hmm. for kind of just getting the basics because um, I think a lot of people, uh, when they start digital content, are kind of just go in with a, a kind of prose or um, offline approach, where the, that mm-hmm. style guide really clarifies um, what you should really do when, when you're starting out um, writing for the web. So I think that's a great guide. Um, and and in terms of what are some of the kind of the, the key takeaways that you took then from that, you know, the mistakes that people who perhaps if they're used to writing online tend to make when they're, uh, sorry, they're used to writing offline that they tend to make when moving online that, that that book would help you kind of deal with? Yeah, there's quite a lot of things um, that seem quite quite basic. But, um, it's like omitting needless words, um, but then also just trimming down paragraphs like uh, relentlessly until they're like, three lines long and not having long, long prose paragraphs. Um, make sure you break a lot of stuff into lists and then just rules around things like hyperlinking. Um, it's amazing how many people do get it wrong when they, when they first start out. Mm. And do you think the kind of like, is that something that, because I suppose in in your day job, a lot of what you're doing is trying to encourage those people who are used to writing for the kind of the magazine format to make that move online. To the, to the, how do they find that as kind of journalists making that move rather than kind of, I suppose, like many of the listeners, web marketers who are kind of um, copywriters as well? Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much why I read that book, just to just get clarity on what online style should be. And 
yeah, it, it certainly happens that offline journalists, um, print journalists, certainly when they when they come onto online, it takes a bit of a while to get to get used to because you know if if you've been an offline journalist all your life, you really focus on writing prose copy, then that goes yes. to a sub ed. You don't really need to be concerned about the range of skills that um, need to be executed when you're online. And I, I know kind of like you're kind of a big fan of some of the, the Seth Godin books as well, because we've actually interviewed Seth Godin previously for the show. Is there kind of any of those that you think that you'd kind of particularly recommend that people should kind of be looking into, yeah, uh, you know, for 2012? Yeah, I'd say permission marketing is kind of the old one and, and um, probably the most practical. Um, applying it for, originally written for email, but now for kind of social media age, it's so, it's so relevant. Um, and then uh, I found tribes and purple cow largely have quite similar messages. And Godin does have this uh, interesting agenda, but he, I think, often he dismisses um, traditional media uh, as kind of um, mm-hmm. some sort of wasteful um, marketing medium, which I don't necessarily agree with. But um, certainly, permission marketing and, and purple cow are well worth mm-hmm. the read. Have you tried any of his more recent um, kind of domino books, the shorter form ones that he's been working on with Amazon that are kind of, because the, the problem I've, I, I love Seth Godin's books and I find the ideas of them always kind of quite helpful and, you know, good at kind of, they're quite motivational, if yeah. you know what I mean. But I sometimes find that, particularly some of the older ones that were some of the longer form ones, it feels like to some extent the book's being kind of extended to look like it's a decent thickness, whereas he probably could have, you know, there's some omission there that could have been made in that writing. Yeah. Have you tried any of those shorter ones? Uh, no, actually. I read Lynchpin and I got very much that impression. And that, that's actually one of the only books that I've read um, in the last year uh, that I've given up on <laughs> because the message was so so similar. Yeah, I, yeah, I do find that one. I'm literally trying to remember the name of the book that, that was the one that I read most recently. If that one, but uh, I honestly can't remember it off the top of my head. But in terms of kind of those more general marketing books, you know, kind of that marketing strategy ones, is there any of those that you think that perhaps are kind of all time classics that perhaps people might have heard of, but you know, you know, maybe haven't actually got around to reading that you think is really worth going to the effort of kind of reading yeah, the full book true. rather than kind of the prose? But the more general stuff, let's um, say, building strong brands by David Acker. Um, that is quite a testing read. Um, he, he goes, it's quite a technical way of, of putting marketing, but um, it is really brilliant. And he gives some amazing examples. He just knows the subject so well that you come out of it feeling, you know, <laughs> quite thinking quite differently. And then a similar one to that is um, Positioning by Al Rees and Jack Trout. Okay, yeah, I've got that on my Kindle wish list. I haven't quite got down to downloading that. Yeah, one yet. Is it well worth a read on that front? Yeah, thankfully, it's a bit a bit easygoing style as well. They're quite amusing as writers, and they, they kind of um, you know rip into companies that have done it all wrong. But it, it's a it's a similar sort of book to building strong brands, but just a bit easier to read, and um, really fascinating to kind of understand how um, how to think of markets and and where to position your product against the market leader and how and how. Um, success is made through those tactics and then I think the, the third one is um, it's not really a book about marketing but it's brilliant um, The Tipping Point um, How Little Things Can Make a Big Difference it's a really important book for marketing to read I think just because it, lay, it lays down a few, a few rules that if you know applied can be really relevant to things like um, viral video um, mm-hmm. like SEO and link bait and social media um, sort of virality so I think it's really worth a read. 
Yeah, because that talks a lot about the... It's a Malcolm Gladwell yeah. book, isn't it? It talks a lot about how kind of trends and patterns develop and spread. And he kind of talks about fashions, but there's all kinds of takeaways to that for content, I suppose, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, probably the main takeaway for me is that um, when we produce something, often it's thought that if we get that out to as many people as possible, then um, that's the way that you know ideas spread very, very quickly. But Gladwell kind of turns that idea on his head and actually says, you know, it's the law of the few that really makes a difference. That if you reach the people that really matter, who are kind of extraordinary, then they'll they'll do the work for you. So there's an innovation curve, and appealing to most people isn't always the best initial strategy. That's something that um, Godin talks about in Purple Cow as well. And that's kind of the idea of the Maven, isn't it? I suppose the the way that he tends to label them, isn't it? From my from my recollections on that front, so they're particular people who are perhaps exert kind of an undue influence on um, the spread of ideas. Yeah, and, um, he uses you know, um, example about Paul Revere in the American Revolution, who um, kind of kicked off uh, when the British were were marching on Boston, and he managed to uh, you know do a horse ride up um, around all the villages and get his connections all on board. So they raised the militia and managed to defeat the British. So. Um, it's a really, really interesting sort of just backstory that works today. There's an interesting actual kind of flip side to that as well, because there's I certainly kind of got that impression that some of the examples in um, Malcolm Gladwell is very good at kind of taking like lots of ideas and bring them together into kind of coherent whole and kind of coherent sort of idea of a whole book. Um, and I've heard uh, kind of some of the examples that he uses used multiple times in, you know, various different books. But one that I've read a little while ago, probably about um, nine, nine, 12 months ago, um, that kind of challenges some of the points made in Tipping Point, um, not completely, but kind of takes a slightly different perspective. It's by a guy called Mark Earls called Heard. Um, and he's recently written a kind of second book, which I've not read yet, called I'll Have What She's Having, which kind of makes an interesting argument that whilst there are certain people in the examples he talks about that, that do have perhaps a, a greater influence than others, it talks about the kind of idea that the way that we think about influence is perhaps... Um, he, he thinks a little naive, really. Um, he talks a lot about kind of the idea of kind of copying and, uh, you know, unaware copying that kind of people tend to make um, decisions on as well. And some really interesting analogies in that. And this was written kind of before the, the London riots of last summer. But there's a whole chapter in there about kind of how riots tend to spread, as it were. And the fact that actually a lot of the um, thinking that perhaps Malcolm Gladwell would talk about in Tipping Point doesn't really always work in that way, um, which I think is quite interesting as well. Right. But yeah, well worth having a read of that one as well. Um, so in terms of, you know, how you kind of go about digesting this content, because I know um, I'm a big fan of, um, of reading long-form books as opposed to blog copy, because I think sometimes the nature of, a you know, even a really good blog post is that it's kind of, you never kind of fully immerse in it in the same way. But do you think, like, digital marketers as a whole don't really pay enough attention and, and you know, read enough kind of books, as it were, because, um, you know, perhaps there's kind of an anticipation that they'll be out of date, as it were? Uh, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I, I'd hope it isn't, and that marketers do, do think about reading books as well as blogs. I always find with blogs that, you know, they're, they're normally one idea, and... Um, I never really hold, read a whole blog. I just don't have the attention span. And you normally sort of do it while you see a tweet and then you click it and then you realize you've got to get back to work. So it's not, I don't really digest it in the same way. And when you take a book, you know, that actually, for me, it forms like um, just a bit more of it in my head. And I think 
worrying about books being out of date is kind of it's a bit of a moot point because most of the books that I've read this year are um, you know four or five years old and I don't think you should be too concerned about um, the technology it's more about the the, the methods of marketing and books like the Clue Train Manifesto um, that was written you know in the 90s and the one-to-one future um, was written about 1993 yet I think they're probably the two best books on the internet that certainly that I've read um, just for explaining the concepts of marketing and and I yeah, I suppose people don't change, do they? And the way that people are, you know, the, you know, why people make decisions doesn't change, does it? So I suppose, no. yes, it's, some, it's just yeah. the practical, the practical execution of of the ideas expressed in the book. Um, probably need a blog post to explain them, or you may, you know, you might be working a lot on Facebook, and so reading a book like the one to make make something really tick, and, and then give you an idea that you can execute. Um, yeah, so, so, uh. yeah, no, it's interesting because I don't know if you've seen recently. Um, the Guardian seems to be experimenting with this a bit, where they're kind of taking um, and producing like shorts, like Kindle shorts for one of them. They're not Kindle shorts because that's kind of a brand name, but kind of short books published exclusively for the Kindle, which are perhaps kind of that fall some way short of what would be a book traditionally, but kind of would be a very long kind of feature article, as it were, kind of, you know, 10,000, 15,000 words, as it were, and publishing them as sort of short one-off books around particular topics that they can turn around relatively quickly. So, for example, they, you know, they think the London riots were one that they've done uh, one on, and, and you, know, that, you know, that type of thing where they can take um, content that just the normal kind of publishing cycle wouldn't be able to deal with the kind of topicalness. Yeah. Of that. Have, you, have you kind of, do you think that's an interesting model for publishers to be pursuing? It sounds interesting. I'm not, I don't know if it's commercially viable for publishers. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know too much about that, but it sounds a lot like, you, you know, university journal writing um, because, yeah. you know, a lot, you know I studied English and history and a lot of the stuff that you have to read is, is 10 to 15,000 words journal entries. And, they still really work to, to form, to help you form ideas. So, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good way to go. I don't, on the internet, you're kind of, you're one, or, one extreme or there is a book. And to have like journals or e-books, um, most e-books I find are kind of just marketing messages and quite generic um, by companies. But some out there that are really good, such as yours. Oh, kind words there, kind words. But yeah, no, it's an interesting one because that is again, it's that sort of duration that's it's it's too long to be a blog post. It's just that started out as a blog post and it just kind of got to like five thousand words, and I was like, I'm only scratching the surface of what I want to get at here, and that just wouldn't work in a blog post format because it is that kind of like you say, there's the, the blog post is the distractions, isn't it? So it's the kind of difficulty of of dealing with it on that point of view. But having said that, so I have had when I've been publishing blog posts, it's amazing that if you kind of go over like most blog posts I tend to read are kind of 500 to 800 words so if you can go over a thousand suddenly you get a load more tweets if you go over 1500 it then gets even more again and it does seem to be that there's actually you know uh, it's not a stunt but you can kind of you know particularly in the internet marketing world you can get a lot of attention if you write something that's long form rather than some of the shortest yeah I've recently written one that was two and a half thousand uh, words on um, SEO gadget and yeah I got a great response but I'm always kind of cautious that um, of how much people actually read because I did get some tweet responses that were sort of like they clearly hadn't read it uh, and they were sort of just like you know challenging me with 
points that I'd made in the in in the blog post. So you've always got to be aware of that as a writer and not and not kind of fall down the hole of getting too touchy because um, you know I write a blog and it's quite clear in the comments that n- not everyone reads it with the same sort of an interpretation as well. And you know that, that that's sometimes a danger because you could, you could just be like you know what what are you talking about? And for some of the, the kind of magazines that you work with, clearly there's going to be a process that the journalists have their own content generation process and content strategy. But clearly there's going to be topics that you could see from an SEO perspective and kind of a social media perspective would be um, kind of valuable topics to cover. How have you kind of managed the process of um, kind of encouraging, do you know, is there a suspicion of writing content just for search engines, even if it is good for readers, but the the idea for that content came from um, what searches are looking well, for? Most of what we do is very consumer facing, so we don't really get concerned about kind of just doing it for search engines. But the the, the trick is um, is to make sure you basically put as many keywords and titles and things as possible. Really, yeah. it's not rocket science, but it's something that the Daily Mail have really done well. Is that, you know, if they look at their headlines, um, you know, they're, they're up to three or four lines long sometimes. And, yeah. you know, that just would never happen in the magazine. Um, literally in the magazine, you would see um, what Katie did next or something like that, talking yeah. about Katie and Russell Brand. And you'd get that straight away because, um, you know, there's a picture. But then <clears throat> online, you know, you just got to make sure that everything's like super contextual. And I think if you add, you know, who, what, why, when, how, they're pretty much fundamentals of journalism, but you've really got to stick to them online and, and then just apply that in headlines and into copy. Then you're, you're most of the way there for getting SEO quite right, um, just, in, just in consumer um, publishing. Thanks very much for your Jane, uh, time, James. Really appreciate that. And hopefully there's um, plenty of books there that if people haven't read already that they can go out and have a read of now as well. Indeed. Well, thanks, Kelvin. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, If you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five oh. If you're inside the UK, it's oh one two seven three two five six one five oh. And you can leave a voice, comment or question and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a a rating on iTunes itself. Well that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.